the Bitterfly Podcast. Knowledge is food, bitches. Eat up. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Bitterfly, the Bitterfly Podcast. I don't even know how to start these anymore because it's been so long. <laughs> um, welcome back to Bitterfly. Uh, today, I'm talking to my friend Corey Ehrlicher. Uh, I met this man at a park. I told him that he looked like Kostas from uh, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, one. I don't know if he was in two, uh, from Far Away, which you did. But then when I saw you closer up, you actually do not at all. <laughs> yeah, that really bummed me out when you were like, yeah, you actually don't. And I was like, wait. <laughs> You're still a good looking guy. You just, you don't look like that actor at all. It was just from <laughs> Far Away. I was like climbing a tree and looked down on you. But it's nice to know that you look like that from that angle, so. Yeah, for I always say this that you're like the first and kind of only friend I've met in the wild. Like yeah. not through, not through someone else, not through growing up together or someone that you knew through growing up together. Just you were just a person at a park and we just became friends and we just talked to each other and it was awesome and I'm yeah. so glad it happened. <laughs> it's funny cuz it wasn't just like one time. It was like I saw you once, made that passing comment and then I think I saw you a couple more times and it was like we were showing up at the park same fucking day of the week, same time and eventually I was like we need to talk. Like this is yeah. I've seen you too many times here in my favorite place, so. Yeah. We have a yeah. great we have a great friendship meet cute, I think. We do. Yeah. I like so. that. Um, so everyone, today we're talking about the fact that I was recently spayed uh, <laughs> and uh, Corey was kind of recently neutered. Yep. I don't know. It's like a child-free conversation. It's like a, you can hear about my sterilization story. We can talk about Corey's a little bit. But um, for anyone who is curious, I don't know why we came to this decision. Uh, Corey, what... What would you say, like, just right off the bat, it's like, why, why don't you want to have kids? That's something that most people have never even considered. They've just accepted as like part of life. You know, you grow up, you get married, you buy a house, you have kids. Like that's, that, what else would you do? You know, how could you not want that? Everyone does that. That's, that's the life plan, the life escalator that we are all on. So yeah, like off the top of your head, like what are some reasons immediately that you're like, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. And I think that there's like, there are intellectual reasons. And then there's just like the deep emotional knowledge. And so I feel like for a while, I was trying to come up with intellectual justifications for what I knew was always true, which is just a feeling of I can't do it. I don't want to. <laughs> um, like I look around at the world and I just I just say no, I just know it's not for me. But I think I spent a lot of time coming up with intellectual justifications. Oh, you know, we're living in an age of crisis and climate change. Um, and oh, like, will I be able to like pay the bills? Like, what, like, how much does it cost to have a child in this country? Like, where is the economy going? I, I was really good at coming up with intellectual justifications, and there's a ton. Like, there's oh, so, so many, so yeah. many. I mean, I mean like, what kind of world like would that child be growing up in? You know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's almost incumbent on someone who wants a child. Like, like I want to hear like your argument for rather than the onus on always being on someone to come up with why why they're not interested. But really, it it just does come down to a feeling. Um, 
I've had pretty much most of my life. I think even when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, no, I don't, I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want to have me. Like, <laughs> so it's kind of like, it was a process of coming to uh, knowledge that was already there and then kind of like covering it up with intellectual reasons. Um, but it, it really just comes down to a feeling that's, that's kind of hard to describe. And I know that might be an unsatisfactory answer, but it just is the truth for me. And then other people might feel differently. But. So if you're going to break that down, it's like, there are like financial reasons mm -hmm. that you're uninterested. There yeah. are like life is world is complicated. Life's complicated reasons like yeah. climate yeah. change and like, what is society going to look like, you know, with all these like things changing around us. And then it sounds like it's emotional too. Like you're just uninterested in the process. Like, do you think that you you just emotionally aren't interested in in like giving that kind of effort too? Is that a part of it? That, that yeah yeah. It's um it's not that I feel like I'd be b bad at it, but I just think I'd be like kind of unhappy organizing my life around someone else. And like you could call that selfish. Like I think maybe it is a little bit. Um, but also, I feel like I don't want to have kids almost because I don't know if I would want to be a kid born in 2023 to, to Corey Ehrlicher or, or, or <laughs> 2028 to Corey Ehrlicher, to who Corey Ehrlicher will be in 2028. It's, yeah. So it's kind of like I don't, I don't want kids for selfish and selfless reasons, I think. Yeah. I, like, I don't want to do it because it's not right for me. So that's selfish. But I also don't want to do it because I, in my opinion, it's not right for them. But that's kind of like really like really airy and philosophical. But um, yeah, yeah, I would say those are those are my reasons. And then I would also ask you, like, what are your what are your reasons? Um, <laughs> since uh, you're the one who just got it um, is. made. Oh, where do I begin? It's a complicated question. I feel like when you ask a woman, it's just different. It's like when you ask me, why do I not want to have kids versus you? Like, I would say initially the first year, way less effort involved, you know, in a man's position than a woman. Um, so for me, like, yeah, I totally agree. Like financial uh, reasons, like climate change reasons, societal reasons. Um, but for me, I think the number, number one, always has been the physical mental toll on the body as a kid they're like handing you barbies and dolls and they're just it's like you're getting indoctrinated into this idea of like you know you're still a kid and they're like here's like a make-believe kid to practice you know like honing in that like maternal instinct and getting used to the idea of motherhood and so I was just never really interested in that I don't remember like really playing with dolls. I have always thought, oh no, someday I'm going to have to have a baby. Like that seems horrible. That mm. sounds literally terrifying. And that was just kind of before I knew any details. I just remember being like, wow, your body changes a lot. Wow. It seems really exhausting. Why would anyone choose to do that? Like that seems really hard. And so the older I get and the more I hear about, you know, the realities of motherhood that I think get, often get um, maybe intentionally neglected because uh, misery loves company. <laughs> and a lot of times people that have been through the experience of like growing and birthing a baby, like they don't want to talk about like how disgusting or painful it was. So these things kind of get left behind. And I think motherhood is, has been like 
romanticized and like maybe it is I don't know I'm sure people love their kids I'm sure like once you get to know them you don't regret it but yeah we're like leaving out a lot of the actual process of the conversation with and there's so much there's just so much to experience and if you've been listening to Bitterfly you probably heard the episode of my sister she was actually on two she the first one was talking about her planned pregnancy so that was like interesting to hear what she thought it was going to be. And then we did another episode afterwards, like a couple months into motherhood, what that experience was like. And so she wasn't obviously watching her own birth. I think there was like a sheet up from her being able to witness like what the doctors are doing and what was going on. But hearing her partner discuss what a C-section was actually like, I mean, there, I know, you know what it is, right? It's like a cesarean, like they're going to cut the baby out, you know, ow, you'll have like a large scar for a while and some stitches. But I mean, the way he described it, like they're cutting you open and rearranging your organs. Oh they're God. moving shit out of the way to get that baby out of you. And then they have to put it all back. So he's like, I saw literally like everything moved aside out of her. It was a bloody horrifying mess and when you hear that and you're like damn it it was like 2021 at the time that this happened just like for how long humans have been having babies and all the modern technology that exists in the medical field and it's like that's still like the best we can do that's still what it is parenthood is not for the squeamish no (laughs) (laughs) so that tips me over the edge uh i growing up don't think i ever said anything along the lines of I'm so excited to be a parent or when I'm a parent, I'm going to do this. It's going to be so cool. I'm going to take my kid here. Like I've never had those feelings. Yeah. That's interesting. It's almost like with both of us, we kind of said like we had justifications later, but like we've even known like in my gut, I have never felt like excited by the idea has always been something scary And that has actually caused a lot of shame and feelings of inadequacy. Like, you know, as you're dating people and you're kind of talking about the future, like, what do you want? What do I want? I've said, you know, I don't think I want kids. And I have felt like that makes me an unattractive candidate as a partner because I'm not willing to like destroy my body for a man so that he can like pass on his genes and his name. And basically what it comes down to, and I've told partners in the past is, I wouldn't do it for myself. And I just don't think there's any way that I'll ever love someone enough to do that for them. Sure. Like they never be able to make it up to me. At that point, I have done so much more work in the relationship than my male partner. And it's not his fault. He, you know, he can't grow a baby. It would be on me, but I would just be so fucking bitter. Like I joked with people that I would be the parent to leave. Like at <laughs> some point I would say, I'm going to get milk at the store and just never <laughs> like I just like the dad of the cigarettes like the all right. deadbeat dad like that would be me I think if I had to do it yeah. like yeah. you're saying it's just a sacrifice too big that no one else could ever could ever make it up to you and that no that's one how could repay me for how much work and effort and pain that that would take yeah totally I feel like a lot of like what we're both saying I think it's like I feel complete without it with that and I know that I always will do you know mm-hmm. what I mean and it's not to say that like everyone who wants a kid is doing it because they feel incomplete without it. it's not that but it's just 
I, I mean, hold on, pause. I would say it seems like that. people <laughs> do oftentimes lot. try to fix relationship problems with yes. the baby. Yeah, yeah. Or they or feel a like dog. Yeah. or they feel like their life isn't like you they can't put a bow on their life until they do it. Or they there's mm-hmm. there's like always gonna be their ninety nine percent, but they just need to be complete. That that's what completes them. And some people do it for that reason, others don't, but I just I've always felt complete without it so I'm, and I know that that will always be true so it's just I would have to have a really good reason to take the risk of screwing that all up <laughs> <laughs> when I already feel complete so I don't know mm-hmm. yeah I don't know if like you feel quite the same way but um that's like the, really the biggest reason is just I feel complete without kids so why 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 do it <laughs> yeah. yeah do you feel like you've been questioned Because I feel like, especially as a woman, I've been questioned. People say things like, you know, that's like your, your natural purpose or something, you know, like, yeah, how is your life going to feel complete if you don't do that? Who's going to take care of you when you're old? You know, and that one, I say like, kids are not actually a retirement plan and there's no guarantee that they're even going to take care of you when you're old. So it seems like a weird reason to do it. That's the weirdest of them all. Yeah. Um, and I've also had people when they're casting doubt on my decision say things like, Well, you know, you just haven't met the right person yet. You know, when you fall in love enough, like something inside you will change and you will want to like create a human being. And it's just like I don't think love would make me feel differently about this like potential pain that I would be like voluntarily taking on. Yeah. Yeah. Do people question you? I feel like as a man, you might have a different experience on that. I feel like people like, I feel like people don't question me that much, but I will say, I think that like, like older generations, like when they talk to me, it's just like a straight up assumption. It's like, Oh, like, so when you have kids, you'll do this. Um, and it's like, Mm. wait, 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 stop. (laughs) But I feel like I don't, I actually feel like I don't get questioned. Um, so pointedly and like maybe it's because like you and I have very different kind of like types of families so Mm. um I feel like there's there's not a ton of pressure on me but I feel like more it's more just assumptions that I will at some point um but I imagine for you it's probably a little more pressure-y yeah I feel like I'm always like lamenting about it's just way fucking harder to be a woman like it just it just is like I have not come to accept the inequality of the genders in this world. And I hopefully never do because we need to keep pushing for it. But yeah, I think just like even in family planning conversation, yeah, people assume and are shocked and like, does that make me less of a woman that I don't want to use my womanhood, like my God given ability to grow life? I understand like that there is probably some like spiritual satisfaction that comes from just the fact that you know like women are magic the fact that like a soul gets created in a womb you know yeah brought into the world like that's super amazing like don't get me wrong I I'm not putting down people that choose to do that like I've had some friends that say you know I think it's so fucking crazy that my body can do that I want to like see it in action yeah. Um, just to like, like see that I can and have this experience that is available to me. That's not available to, 
you know, men, like how cool I get that. But yeah, I just can't get past the, the pain. And then I don't think I have the emotional capacity either, like to change my life so completely and like care for (laughs) another being. I just don't have that maternal instinct. If that makes me less of a woman to some people, they can fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just not my vibe, you know? Yeah. Baby, don't kill my vibe. (laughs) The thing is like... (laughs) I feel like you and I would be excellent parents. Like we have the intellectual capacity and I'm sure like if in some other universe, like we didn't have a choice on what happens in our lives and and we had, like, I would be fine at it. Like I have a dog. I've kept her alive for seven years, you know, myself alive, but I just have so many like people in this life that I care about that. I just don't, it's like you said earlier, I don't have like this hole I need to fill Exactly. I have friends and family and a community. Um, and that's going to be who takes care of me when I'm old. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to the, that, that whole, that, <laughs> that just that word, it makes me laugh. When it, when it comes to like the hole that needs to be filled, like that feeling of completion, I think it's important to just ask, ask yourself, like I have, if there's a hole there, is that like part of me or did I did like the society I live in teach me to create a hole that needs filling? Right. You know what I mean? Or did, did I, yeah. Did I have, was the divot dug for me or did, or is it part of me? And I feel like that's just a question everyone should ask for themselves when it comes to like, when it comes to parenthood. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I just feel like there, there never was like a, a hole that needed filling. So I just don't even really know what it feels like to like have that Mm -hmm. but like someone who does like maybe that's just part of who they are they just need to fill that hole and like totally go do that like go do what makes you happy what makes you feel complete other people I wonder like do they just have that hole there because of like Disney (laughs) (laughs) because of like we're told just because like society creates a hole um so yeah totally pushes like that white picket fence nuclear family like you know, one boy, one girl, two mm. parents, the dog. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Just kind of, yeah. And that's coming to an end. Like it's, it's nice a, that uh, it's dying. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I feel like the child-free movement, like the intentional decision not to have children, mm. um, for people in their twenties, thirties, it's it's yeah. becoming like a thing. Like I'm seeing more and more child-free TikTok. I'm seeing yeah. people like. Yeah really coming around to start questioning like wait yeah like you said is this actual uh is this a fixture in my life because of me or because like the media is constantly pushing on me that you know my life will reach a certain point of expiration and and I should like share what I know and teach something to walk and talk and like yeah (laughs) yeah yeah there's like if you if you look at like the child free like subreddit for instance like yeah there's there's honestly there's a lot of bitterness this idea i mean this like honestly they go like way too far sometimes like i see people like calling children like crotch spawn like (laughs) oh my god chill chill out like chill out that's so fucked up but kind of funny there's, there's bitterness there's a bitter there's bitterness as a result of like all of these assumptions that are foisted upon people. Well, it's like, it's a counter movement. 
in any counter movement, people are like resentful of yeah, like, yeah. you know, what the majority is doing. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are people like who feel who are like child free like us, but then they have like an extra dose of like, oh, bitterness. Like they're so mad. And it's kind of fair. It's kind of fair to be sort of mad. I at, mean, like, we we live in such a natalist society. I mean, the fact that like if you have children, you get like tax breaks for having dependents and it's like everywhere you look like they're trying to get you to have kids so i i get why someone child free after a certain period of time is just like you know what fuck this fuck you yeah. before i didn't want kids now i actively hate them because of like the the how this like propaganda is being pushed i don't know yeah yeah i think one other like last high level thing I want to add to why I personally feel like being child free is what I want to be doing in my life is I looked at all the different lifestyles that one could have, you know, like, like what kinds of things do I want to be doing? Yeah. My ideal day. What does that look like? You know, wake up late, maybe work from home. What do I do after work? You know, I don't, I don't want to be raising diaper or uh, <laughs> raising diapers. <laughs> I don't want to be changing diapers, feeding, you know, someone else other than my partner or our dogs. Um, I want to be, you know, continuing to play volleyball. I, I want to do fun stuff with my friends on the weekends. Like of all the things you can do in life, sadly, life is not as long as we would probably like to do everything that we want to do. So you kind of have to pick and choose, you know, what is my life going to be at this point? I know I'm not going to be an astronaut. I'm not going to be a ballerina. I'm most likely never going to be a post woman. You know, like those are things I'm okay with not doing because I have other things I'd like to pursue. And so if I only have so much time and I can only do so many things, parenthood seems like a particular lifestyle that takes up all of your time and all of your resources and all of your mental capacity. And so yeah. I just am not comfortable with giving up that much of myself to an activity, you know, you'd be such a good mom. <laughs> that's, that's what, like when, when I have this conversation with people, like oftentimes I'll get that. Cause I think it's like, there's some truth in it. People will say, Oh man, that's such a shame. Cause like, Corey, you'd be like a good father. Yes. I, mean, I feel like, I'd be a good javelin thrower. Like I have a great, I have a great arm, but like, I, don't, I'm, I have no desire to go out and start, go to a field and start throwing javelins. Like, you know? Yeah. So, no, yeah. it's true. Just because you would be good at something, it um, doesn't mean you should do it, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. There's a lot of things that a lot of us could be good at. And yeah. like, we have one life and should we do every single one of those things? Like, no. Yeah. So, Interestingly, uh, you know my partner but uh nobody else, I don't think I've ever talked about him on the podcast but okay. we started dating and that was like one of the first things you know because I'm on it I'm like I don't want to even go to date two with you if you're not okay with the fact yeah. that I don't have kids you know so we started talking immediately kind of like well what do you think the rest of your life what do you want it to look like what do I want it what do I want mine to look like do those things align like is this worth our time and he was kind of like he never heard what I was saying, you know, about like how physically having kids is hard, emotionally, financially, like all of this stuff. And so he had never really even asked himself the question and he'll say it now. He's just like, I always just accepted it as like something I would do. Yeah. 
that's what everybody does. You know, that's what my parents do. I'll probably do it. And so he, the more we talked about it, the more he was like, shit, there's so many things I want to do. And it seems like that being a parent, raising a kid would really take up most of the space that I have, you know, outside of work. And so, yeah, like, is it selfless or is it selfish? I don't really know. But the fact that, um, yeah, the more Brandon and I talked about it, the more he was like, wait, I don't think I want to do that. Like both him and I hate screaming. Like we don't even like when our dogs bark, like loud noises is like just going to be a no for us. You don't even like to go to parties. Like you. <laughs> I don't like parties. I don't like loud crowds. I don't like dark places. Like you're never going to see me at the club ever again. Um, yeah. So like waking up in the middle of the night, having my sleep disrupted. It's just kind of funny because um, we were, we took a flight like last month and there were, of the four flights, three of them had a screaming child <laughs> under two on the flight. And it's Rock like, you feel on. bad for the parents, but it's like, I mostly feel bad for me. Like I'm literally choosing not to do this and I'm still like unable to avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we so do live like, in society <laughs> yeah as a tidbit uh Brandon has said like I'm I'm really glad that like you brought those things up and we like to talk about it and I've realized you know that I wasn't making the decision before for me and now I am and spoiler alert he got a vasectomy <laughs> a week before uh I got sterilized which we should also talk about <laughs> yeah yeah Wow, it's it's wild just how fast like Brandon went from like, oh, do I want kids? I'm not sure. To like, you know what, vasectomy time. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't. Yeah, yeah it just doesn't yeah. uh, make sense. And I mean, there was this whole like, we did get pregnant, and I had an abortion uh, in December. And at that point, we were both like, holy fucking shit. We were like 95% sure we didn't want to be parents. And then when that happened, we were both just immediately like 110% like, no, never again. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. So I think once you're 100%, you're like, why am I on birth control? Why am I dealing with this bullshit and all of these side effects? I feel so bad for women. Like, in general, having uterus is fucking terrible, whether it's a period, whether you're on birth control to like not get pregnant, whether you are pregnant, having an abortion, going through menopause, like getting sterilized. There is just, it, there's so much pain out there for women in a world that's already like socially harder for us. I don't know. Can we have like a little pity party real quick about it? <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think that's fair. I think that's <laughs> <laughs> okay so you got a vasectomy when wow it's about seven months ago now so it's okay. been it's been some time and I forgot that I had gotten one recently <laughs> I almost it's almost like yeah <laughs> shooting blanks it's just part of my peace of mind mode of life now is just like oh yeah I'm like I'm fully used to that yeah, yeah. okay so <laughs> what led you to I just kind of explained like for me getting pregnant being like fuck now I need an abortion of course I always I always had this weird feeling just at a sidebar that I was gonna end up having an abortion someday most women do it's very common yeah, but anyway yeah. so that was for me I was like shit yeah I definitely need to get sterilized what was it for you like what led to you being like yeah I'm gonna do it now yeah so it was it's kind of funny um not 
not funny. Dark, darkly funny. Uh, I I made my appointment uh, to get a vasectomy the day before the leaked memo, the Roe v. Wade memo, when we learned that oh, like, yeah. rights were going to all be taken away. Actually, I so I made my appointment the day before that happened. So really, it was just like, for me, it was just like a classic. Like, I've, I've always kind of known this about myself. I've sort of answered these questions. And then it was just like, oh, it just kind of makes sense. I did some research. Wait, um, did you I, ever struggle in, like, your relationships with women, the fact that you wanted to? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a bit. That's a big one. Um, I had a relationship uh, <laughs> end largely because of this question. So she wanted to have kids? Yeah, yeah. And I How did. How long have you been dating for? Um, we had been dating for eight years. And um, early on in our relationship, we discussed kids or no kids. And I kind of said my piece. And she said and she said hers. And we, were, we recognized we were on different pages. But yeah, we're, we're young enough to where we can kind of put these questions off. But like, we both felt uncomfortable about doing that. But we just kind of said, you know, we're young and in love. Um, and then kind of like time passed. And then you just get to a certain point where you do kind of have to answer. You, like, actually, the moment of truth comes and you do have to answer these questions for yourself. I always knew what my answer was. And she always knew what hers was. That That very much, like the dissolution of that relationship very much led me to be like, you know what? Might as well uh, lock this in, you know? <laughs> you <laughs> Ain't know? nobody gonna get me. I have, yeah, like a major thing, like, yeah, like leave my, like, yeah, taken out of my life. <laughs> I've already sacrificed for this decision. Might as well just like put a, a, a clear check mark on it. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, it, the decision itself was always like clear to me. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I made my choice. So um, you went through a breakup. And then you scheduled your vasectomy. Break breakup. Um, and then you months passed, and then I scheduled. I wasn't like oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the next week, but but time passed, and I said, okay, it just makes sense. And it was after I did research showing that it was safe, effective. I have to admit, one of the big things, one of the big things that made me go from like I think I'm interested to like I'm 100% doing it, is uh people were just saying, oh, there's like no change in like sex life like my honestly like my cum looks the same <laughs> and and like that was the moment where I went oh like this really isn't a like big deal like you re it really isn't I feel like, like vasectomies have a lot of like myths and misinformation surrounding yeah. them you yeah, know yeah. like oh will you yeah. still be able to come yeah, yeah. You still be a man like yeah, yeah. you're getting your manhood taken away that's such bullshit and it was like when i had like gone through each of those myths and just like went nope that's bullshit no that's bullshit no that's bullshit no that's bullshit then i went okay i'm gonna do it i'm gonna i'm gonna go for it um and uh yeah and then the next day uh all of our uh <laughs> rights went under threat uh, by the Supreme Court, and I said, and that's that. Just like I went, oh my God, this is a great. This this is not only like the right decision for me and a good decision. This is like an important decision that has like political valences beyond like my own life. And I was like, oh wow, this is this can be interpreted as uh as <laughs> as like a selfless like feminist choice. Of, but like for me, I have to admit, for it sure, was a self. It was a personal and selfish choice 
but, but it's gonna have like ramifications yeah. that are positive for like your partner i mean you have heard me complain about birth control like for so long and all yeah. of the negative like impacts from it and just the burden of women being the ones that have to you know make sure that they're good because they're the ones that would have the physical burden of consequences and burden of pregnancy yeah, yeah. it was a feminist move like yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and what what makes like what uh demonstrates that is just like both afterwards and when I was thinking about it, the difference in reactions from my male friends versus my female friends. What were some of the reactions you got from your male friends? Like, it wasn't like they disagreed or, but like, it was more of like, just thrown like, whoa, dude, what? Like, whoa, like, hold on. You're going to do what now? <laughs> yeah. Will you still be Corey? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> will you still like, have balls? <laughs> yeah. Just like, yeah. So many questions that demonstrate how many myths there are. Like, yeah. Like, oh, like, can you still Um, (laughs) just like a bunch of questions so not like I wouldn't say push back but just like confusion a lot of questions some furrowed brows just kind of like whoa um and then when I told like my female friend they're just like oh hell yeah great good choice like what a that's awesome like (laughs) an ally (laughs) yeah and um and also like they seem to know more about vasectomies than than my male friends there's like in terms of like knowing that it's safe knowing that it's effective it seems like hetero men just are like uninterested in learning even about the procedure because they're like scared (laughs) less that they're even uninterested but they just don't even think to think about it. it don't it doesn't enter their like consciousness and for a while it didn't really enter mine so much so I kind of I kind of get it it's not seen as an option yeah no one thinks about it or I mean it's I feel like the context until recently that I knew of vasectomies is couple has three kids woman's like I'm fucking done husband you're getting a vasectomy yeah yeah like that that was like the context I feel like most of us are familiar with vasectomies so you're like an interesting case you know this like 29 year old man who went out and just has no kids no like previous pregnancies like you just decided I don't want to do it and you got one yeah you're right the majority of people who get vasectomies already have children but What's interesting is like the uh, the research is telling us that there's a rise in vasectomies among people like myself, like people who are like preventative from the outset of just having children. Just yeah, <laughs> just like let's just get that out of the way, clear that table. That's like where we're seeing like the bigger jumps in like the amount of people getting vasectomies. It's people like myself. Um, so I kind of think that's interesting. Okay, so let's debunk. Do you still have balls? Do you still or, do you still orgasm? Did it change the pleasure not, of an orgasm? Like, tell us know. what the doctors did and then how you felt after. Yeah, yeah. So the the doctors like they they just snip what's called like your your vas deferens, which is like what draws up the um the sperm. It's it's just like it's just the tube that draws. Yeah, it's up. a tube that goes to each ball, right? So there's like a left and a right side. Yeah, yeah. And then, so that's, they snip both sides. And, and are you awake during the procedure? I was, I was awake and I was awake and I was talking to the surgeon doing it. <laughs> it was just like laughing and, and shooting <laughs> it while he was, 
while he was like sniffing my vas deferens. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, so you're yeah. awake. They don't give you like a sedative. Do they just like numb your balls? With, yeah, like, yeah. And numb. that's the only part that hurt is like the uh, just a little bit. It was like the moment where they apply the numbing. It's like they apply. It's like a little thump. It feels like someone very lightly, just like a light flick. That's the uh, the numbing medicine. Okay. And they just numbed both sides. And then after that, no problem at all. I was just I was completely conscious just talking to the doctor about like, oh, what my major was in college. <laughs> yeah. And then um, they just give you like, gave you an ice pack and sent you home. Yeah. I mean, it really is super simple. Like they, they gave me an ice pack. Um, they said like apply Neosporin to like the, where they made the like incision on the skin to get mm-hmm. to what they needed to get. Um, put Neosporin on there, um, ice, and then just kind of like resting for for a few days, um, okay. and it really is it really is that. I simple. took Brandon to his vasectomy appointment, and I thought I was just gonna wait in the waiting room. And the doctor was like, "Would you want to come in?" And I was like, "What?" Yeah. And they're like, "Yeah, I mean, if he's fine with that." And he's like, "Yeah, sure, come in." I was so nervous because they like gave him a sheet, right? He was like laying on his back, and they put like a sheet up so he couldn't see what was going on. But like, I was in the fucking room, like behind the doctor, so I had like. I saw the vast deference outside of the body and I'm like kind of squeamish. I don't know. I just don't have a lot of experience in like a medical uh, situation. Like I haven't seen like a lot of other people's blood and things like that. So that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, But yeah, he was in like very little pain. Like you said, I think just the prick of the numbing medication was like kind of painful and the whole thing took like 20 minutes yeah yeah i mean it's like forgot yeah to mention that it was like yeah for me it was like 10 to 15 minutes like our 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 friend connor took me um and he was in the waiting room and then like he was like looking at his phone and then i got back and he's like oh wait i was like barely i thought i was just like looking at my phone i I can't believe you already had your yeah the whole thing is over browse twitter for a moment like (laughs) yeah i was surprised when i walked back in so yeah, I mean, it really was a, a pretty minor procedure. and Yeah, it, they just give you, like, a jock strap and an ice pack, and then yeah. they tell you not to ejaculate for, like, a week? Yeah, like, um, a week to Or until it feels okay. Until it feels okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. super yeah. fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really not a big deal at all. Especially, like, when compared to you. And, like, now I kind of want to... Yeah. Because this happened to me, like, seven, eight months ago. You just got your tubes. You want to talk? What happened um, to you? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. So there are a couple ways that women can get sterilized. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of them is called a hysterectomy. So it's literally like the, the removal of the uterus. Yeah. Like that is a, that's a really intense one. Um, so I, I, I don't know why you would get that unless you had like some ongoing medical issue and it was going to like help yeah. Um, so the common one is a tubal ligation and that is where they just, they kind of cut the fallopian tubes. And that's what you got. No. So cutting the fallopian tubes, um, like cauterizing them with like an electrocution type pen, um, or they'll put like a clip on it, kind of like the way that you would stop a hose by like bending it in half. Yeah. Yeah. So that uh runs to the risk of it's just less effective because the fallopian tubes could grow back together mm-hmm. and you could end up with an unwanted pregnancy so i think since 2015 the medical recommendation by most professionals is to get what i got which is called a bilateral salpingectomy 
So that means they just removed the tubes completely. They're just like, we're not going to cut them. We're not going to give them any chance to grow back together. We're just going to like cut the space between the ovaries and the uterus. And so you're taking the pathway away um, from like fertilization because fertilization, like the egg comes down from the ovary into the tube, down the tubes and then meets in the uterus. Um, so basically the uterus goes from this to just this with like its arms behind its back. You just don't, you don't have um, that pathway to fertilization basically. Right. And um, it's 100% like effective or? It's, it's nearly a hundred percent. I mean, it's not quite, I think it's like one in less than one in 10,000 fail, which is like good enough for me. Okay, yeah. Um, the other thing is it reduces your risk of ovarian cancer. Uh, by 25% because they've taken away that pathway. So anything that starts in the ovary, it can't progress to the uterus. So it was a good choice for me um, because you you need your ovaries. They produce important hormones for your body, um, but you don't really need the tubes. I had become really like frustrated and tired with birth control. I had tried literally like everything on the market and just there's nothing good out there, to be honest. You're just kind of choosing the lesser of the evils. Um, and so I had an IUD for a while, and that was like causing really painful sex and other weird uh, things that I wasn't okay with. I kept going to the doctor, and I was like having this pain, and they're like, "We can't find anything wrong with you." And so ultimately, my doctor was like, "You know, it might just be that having a foreign object in your body is causing inflammation and pain." And so it's yeah. just. So I got that taken out. Um, and then I was just like, I don't really know what to do. And I talked to my doctor about it and she was like, we can sterilize you. Like there's no risk. I mean, the, the only thing that could happen is you might regret it. So just make sure that, you know, you're not going to regret it. Be comfortable with the decision. And I've heard so many sad stories about people like specifically in other States online getting, um, having their doctor just based on personal beliefs, you know, tell them I won't perform this procedure on you. You're too young. Or what if you change your mind later? You haven't had kids yet. You know, once you have a couple, then I'll do it for you. And luckily we live in a progressive, uh, I live in a progressive place. And um, my doctor was like, hell yeah, that's what you want. Let's do it. So I didn't even really need to have like a medical reason for it, like a yeah. cancer or something. Um, I mean, it, it helped for her to add to my chart, you know, that I had just recently had an abortion and that's kind of what made me decide. But in general, there were no like age restrictions or qualifications that I needed to meet other than I'm 21 years old um, or older and I don't want to have fallopian tubes anymore. So that was really cool. Um, for anyone who's listening, if you have encountered a doctor who told you no, or was just overall like being a brat about it, I think it's more common with male gynecologists to be like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Christian male gynecologists. Um, there's a list on the child free Reddit that people have compiled of doctors, OBGYNs in different States that, um, have have done procedures on people who are child free. So a doctor can't get on the list for performing a sterilization unless they did it for someone who is child free. That's like the qualification okay. to get on the list. So that has actually helped a lot of people um, that I have read through where they're like, I couldn't find anyone to listen to me until I looked at like the child free Reddit 
doctor list. And so I think that's helped a lot of people. But in general, they say it's a non-invasive procedure. You have your pre-op appointment. You don't have any food or liquids um, in the morning. It, it's more serious than a vasectomy. I'm not going to lie. I Like you go into an operating room, you're under general anesthesia. So I was asleep. I just remember them being like, okay, you know, we'll see you in a little while. I think the whole thing took 45 minutes. Okay. They make two incisions on the abdomen, one in the belly button, and they blow you up like a balloon with carbon dioxide so that they can get the camera into your abdomen to kind of see what they're doing. And that is how they cut and remove the fallopian tubes. So the incisions aren't very big. It's probably like a centimeter. I would say. And the one in my belly button, like you can't even tell because they just like kind of go into like the natural folds of the belly button and like cut into that. And so this was like a week, uh, a, a week ago now. That you, yes. And here a you are week. podcasting, talking like. Yeah. So I have a lot to say. How should I go? So the procedure went great. Um, like Brandon came and picked me up from like my hospital room and I was very fucked up. Um, I, <laughs> she gave me a photo of very graphic of what my uterus looks like with and without the arms on it, the tubes. Okay. I guess she called Brandon and was like, Emily as is just as beautiful on the inside as she is on the outside. <laughs> like, <laughs> the procedure went smooth as silk. <laughs> She's great. Love her. Uh, and so like the car ride home, like the bumps were painful, but I was still really fucked up from the uh, anesthetics. And they gave you like stitches over the incision and then glue on top just to kind of keep like bacteria and, and whatever out. Um, and the glue has lasted about a week. Um, so I just went home, went to bed. Uh, day two was pretty painful. I mean, they gave me like oxys and ibuprofen to kind of take layered throughout the day. And they say to take ibuprofen for like up to a week afterwards. The thing that I would say about it though, is it was extremely painful. Like I'm still in pain. I would say the first couple days, I mean, I was like crying because it hurt so much and it wasn't from the abdomen. This is the craziest part. The pain was in my shoulder. So that was one thing I had read online is that the CO2 that they like pump into your stomach for the procedure, it's not in your intestines. So it's not like you can just fart it out or like burp it out. It's just kind of like in your abdomen and you kind of have to wait for it to like dissipate or whatever, but it presses on this nerve in your diaphragm that connects to your shoulder. So I was like waking up in the middle of the night. Like I felt like my arm was broken. That's how painful it was. Like I I couldn't move my arm. It felt like it wasn't connected to my body almost. And so that pain persisted for like two or three days. And they did say the more active you are, the more like you walk around that will help with the CO2 pain. Um, I was literally out of surgery. Like my abdomen hurts. I can't even like bend over to touch my toes on day two or three after the procedure. And so I couldn't really like walk around or even stand up for long periods of time. And so that was one I just had to like wait out. Yeah. At one point I called you to be like, Hey, you're in pain. Do you want to like, do you want to talk? Are you okay? And you're, you're like, you texted me back. Like, no, I don't want to talk. I literally (laughs) couldn't even talk because speaking I've never realized this, but even speaking uses your abdomen. 
yeah. Oh god. Like laughing uses your abdomen. Uh, getting up, like sitting up in bed. Yeah. Lifting things. Everything uses your abs. So I kind of felt a little bit misled. The stuff I read online said, "Oh, you'll just feel sore like you did an ab workout at the gym." Yeah. Yeah. Day. I would say now that I'm on day nine since my procedure, now I'm feeling sore like I did an ab workout. Okay. But for the first seven days, like I was breaking down and crying almost every yeah. day. I mean, I really think that they should have <laughs> explained to me like you need to be in bed for seven days. You, yeah, you can't yeah. even walk down the driveway. Like you should have someone take care of your dog. You you need to have like meals made or food brought to you. Like it was just, and then there's like this post-op depression that I was also experiencing just based on the fact that I couldn't do anything. Yeah, um, yeah. So like this is all to say, it was a very intense procedure. Like yeah. it is. I mean, if it comes down to two people don't want to have kids and the man could get a vasectomy or the woman could get sterilized, that fucking man better get a fucking vasectomy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just thinking because like hearing you say that compared to my sterilization experience, just like the completely different worlds. Completely um, different. different. Yes. Like, for me, it was just like icing my balls for a weekend for you it was like de depression and i like have an extremely high like pain yeah. threshold i typically like undersell my pain i feel like yeah, and i <laughs> i have never thank you <laughs> i have never had like a serious surgery before so i just i want people to know like it is not for the faint of heart it was i mean i had days where i was like why the fuck did i do this to myself like i I didn't have to, you know, I think that uh, was just... You shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to. <laughs> yeah, I think that was just being, like, overwhelmed and, and having, like, generalized anxiety. And usually on a regular day, I'll just, like, go do stuff. I'll, like, get active, move my body. And, like, that kind of helps me get over my anxiety. But the fact that I'm, like, bed-bound, you know, like, it was just... It was really hard. Still going to have a period, unfortunately. A lot of people were wondering about that. And because I still have ovaries, they will still drop an egg. They just don't have anywhere to go. So they'll be reabsorbed back into my body. And my uterus will still, you know, shed its lining as if it was preparing for a baby and then there was no fertilized egg. So I'll still have periods, um, but I have read that sometimes they are less painful. So that would be cool. The only way, if you want to get sterilized and not have a period, a hysterectomy, I believe, is the only way to do that. Um, so you'd have to get your uterus removed, basically. So you're like, we're obviously pro sterilization here. So yes. I guess you're kind of falling on down on, um, I guess. So would you, would you promote, would you promote getting this done? Say just like throw vasectomies out for a second. Cause obviously it should be the guy. Yeah. Um, but, like, <laughs> but would you like, am I pro bilateral sub injectomy? Like yeah. since you've gone, undergone some pain, but it's also helpful like peace of mind right so the, yeah the thing is despite everything I just said Corey the I feel like and a lot of women would agree with me the pain that comes from like period cramps or being on birth control and those kinds of like negative side effects this was still like worth it to me yeah the, fact, the yeah. fact that I don't have to go through childbirth 
the fact that, you know, I never have to be on birth control ever again. I mean, I was getting cysts from my IUD. Apparently the Marina IUD causes ovarian cysts. And so like, there's nothing to do about them. You just have really terrible cramps. I mean, they even did a study recently that found period cramps are like on a pain level, the same as like having a heart attack. Like that's how bad they can be. That's the severity of it all. So I think I would still recommend the procedure to someone who doesn't want to wait around for her male partner to make the decision. Like now that I've talked about like the, the shit side of it, I kind of want to share like the, the bodily autonomy that I was able to exercise by getting this procedure um, and saying, you know, I get to control what happens to my body. I'm not okay with being pregnant and birthing a baby and I don't have to be. And yeah, I can, you know, Though in the short term, this is a painful experience. Long term, I'm going to have a lot of relief that comes from it. Um, That is, that's made it all worth it to me. You know? Yeah. Cream pies forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's so many benefits to like the choices that we make. Like peace of mind. Yeah. 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 100%. So uh, I think like just to go back and say about my procedure, I live in Washington state. So I found a gynecologist who was able to do it for me. If anyone's curious who that was, I'd love to share her name because she's wonderful. Um, And my super bare bones, Washington state Medicaid, like poor people healthcare covered my fucking procedure. Same, same with me. And that shit, like vasectomies are like a thousand dollars. Yeah. Like the procedure that I got could have easily been like $2,000, but under the Affordable Care Act, um, Medicaid in most states, I'm pretty sure, covers sterilizations. Depends, it depends on the state. We're lucky to be in, Was- in Washington. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But that's, that's, the, that's the thing. Like, any, any, I would just say to any guy, like, who knows they don't want kids it's like incumbent on you to get this done, to get this done. Yeah. (laughs) You get it done for free. I think it's important to view not getting it done. If you should, as like an active choice, like I want to like flip the framing a little bit and say that like not getting a vasectomy should be viewed as an active choice. Like if you're a guy and you know, you don't want kids and you don't get a vasectomy, you're, you are choosing either through like passive ignorance or active neglect. You're choosing to have your partner potentially go through a really terrible experience. Yeah. You're choosing to participate in a system that gives women unnecessary anxiety through and pain. Yeah. Pain through like so many means. And like, so go go out and do it. (laughs) (laughs) Go out and do it guys. (laughs) Eight States require that their state health insurance covers the cost of vasectomy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. These yeah, states exactly. are Illinois, Maryland, yeah. New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington. Yeah. So it's like what we were saying, the states whose Medicaid systems allow for free vasectomies. So if you're one of those states, people, yeah. you can get Il- a vasectomy. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington. So, I mean, if you can get something done for free... That is just like a weekend of like icing your balls and watching Netflix. And then you have a, like the rest of your life, peace of mind. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, go, go do it. <laughs> yeah. I think like the, the biggest thing about this experience for me, like 
the choosing to be child free. And now the, you know, I literally, I, I'm not just talking about it. Like I took one step towards making sure that that doesn't happen to me. Just like the fact that I could exercise what happens to my body. And though I, you know, took on this voluntary pain for now, like the relief I'm going to have later, it's just everyone has the right to make decisions about what happens to their body. Like we should all feel comfortable with what we're going to be going through, you know, for the most part, like if there's a choice there, like you should have it. So that was really empowering for me. Um, Even though like I have a partner that got a vasectomy, so I didn't necessarily need one. Um, It's just like the, the reducing cancer is cool. The like knowing that I did something, you know, to just really fucking cement this decision in my life. Like, and now I'm going to celebrate, you know, a no birth day yeah. y'all are like so every sick. year <laughs> two sterilized people and like <laughs> like how you went from you went from like a pregnancy scare to like both getting like fucking sterilized I, I think you could say that we were just we were traumatized by that experience it has nothing to do with the abortion like the abortion was the chillest fucking thing ever like shout out to me yeah. for making that documentary podcast about abortions because uh from those interviews i did i knew exactly like what to look up, who to call, what to expect, how much it was going to cost. Like, bless those women who shared that input with me. Because it really ended up being like like a living, breathing help, like when I did have to go through that experience. So the abortion was great. But I think the trauma of that was the day that we had realizing that we were pregnant going, holy fucking shit, like the gravity of how much this would change our lives. Like we are completely uncomfortable with what that would entail. Well, I'm proud of you for doing what was necessary and for all of us. Corey, if there was somebody listening to this who has been on the fence Mm -hmm. about kids, like maybe they will, maybe they won't, they're not sure. What kinds of questions would you have that person ask themselves? If they're on the fence about whether they want kids or not, or whether yeah. they want them to me. Okay. Whether they want kids or not, just in general, they're like, hmm, you know, I've heard hard stuff about both. Yeah. What questions I, should they really ask? I think for me, what I did and what I would recommend to someone listening, if you're not sure, is imagine, like, close your eyes and imagine every detail of your perfect day. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like what it, it could be super specific like what does your bedding look like what is what do you see out of your window what time do you wake up at you know what do you eat how long do you make breakfast for what do you go do that day like and then ask yourself does having a baby fit into that does having a toddler fit into that does having a preteen and a teenager and a young adult like who's visiting from college or whatever like does that make sense for your life because that's another thing is people think I want a baby or I want to have a kid, but do you want, you know, are you okay with a two-year-old living in your house and a six-year-old and a 10-year-old and a 15-year-old and a 19-year-old? Like it's kind of for life. It's not just like an 18 and then you're done being a parent thing. It's like, that will be the rest of your life. Yeah, totally. I would say like, yeah, check in. Like, cause for me, it all came, I had to learn that I was intellectualizing it. I had to learn that, oh, I'm reaching for climate change as an excuse not to have kids. Why am I reaching for that excuse? Is it like, so what is the, what is like that inner feeling that is driving 
your excuse making on either side and explore like that feeling. Have you always known it? Has it always been that way? Is it something new? I think that's the biggest thing. But I just I had to realize when I was uh, just making excuses for how I always knew I felt <laughs> So that. But everyone will come to that on from different paths, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think like in summation, regret is always a potential in every, in every life decision that you make. Life is filled with regret. (laughs) I mean, yeah, the potential for regret is everywhere. And so like when it comes down to it, like ask yourself, am I more okay with having kids and potentially regretting it? Or am I more okay with not having kids and potentially regretting that. And for me, the answer is I would rather not do it and, you know, be sitting at my house with all my money and all my time crying into whatever my hobby is. Like, oh no, I didn't have kids, but I have an extremely full life of other things. Yeah, that is so spot on, Emily. I feel like that's, I feel like that's maybe one of the best questions to ask yourself because life is filled with regret. You're going to regret, if you're like me, you're going to regret like almost any decision you make, no matter what. So it's like, <laughs> what type of regret am I more okay with? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, will I regret not having kids? Like, I don't know, maybe like yeah. if I have them, I'll also regret that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. What and type that's of like, feels the best to you and go with that. <laughs> yeah. For real. Like, what are you, what are you okay with? Um, yeah. And I, to that point, something I wanted to say is I feel like we give no space for people in our society to admit that they had kids and they wished that they hadn't. We kind of shame those people. We say like, Oh, you know, you're a parent, you should love your kid. Like, don't say those things. And honestly, we need to hear from those people more, you know, tell me why you regret having kids. I, I feel like two things can exist at once. You can say, you know, I love my kid. They're a great person but I really wish I didn't do that. You know, yeah. I feel like that information, it needs to be shared yeah, <laughs> more. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe just like not when the kid's around, but yeah, yeah. Well, like in general, you know, I feel like there's just no way that those people don't exist and they, oh, they exist we, in the States. Yeah. <laughs> we need to have like a safer place for them to be yeah. able to freely express that because I think that will really impact the decision of other people. Yeah, you know, and this like uh, lie that's being told that having kids is the most like fulfilling life decision you'll ever have, and it brings everything together, and like there's no point to your life if you don't do it. That's just not always true. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I don't know. Check in with uh, Emily and Corey in like 50 years and ask us if we're okay with our decision. <laughs> I think we will be. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. I think I'm choosing the right type of regret for myself. (laughs) Well, thank you for being here and talking about, um, you know, having your balls clipped uh, or your vas deferens clipped and hearing me talk about, you know, my um, arms being clipped off my uterus. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. It's been a good, it's been a good discussion. Oh, and fuck the Supreme Court, but that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. And fuck Idaho, Idaho right now, they're like going to be the first state to restrict interstate travel for abortions. Oh God. Sick them, motherfuckers. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, um, thank you, Corey Ehrlicher for being on. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed this, uh, long awaited episode of Bitterfly. 
And who knows when I'll be back to BH. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having Emily. It's been awesome. Thanks, Corey. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye.